So, and by the way, I do want to say today too, and and I should have said this while Tracy was still up here, but we just want to say from the depths of our heart, thank you, thank you, thank you for your kindness and your generosity that you showed, not just to Tracy and I, but to our whole team for Pastor Appreciation a couple of weeks ago. You guys, you guys blew us away, and uh, we feel so blessed and honored to serve, and uh, thank you for your kindness to us. It, uh, it meant a lot. I want to kind of dovetail that into where we're going today. Um, I want to share a message with you today on the whole concept of gratitude or thanksgiving. Uh, next Sunday will be kind of a, it's become kind of a tradition here at New Song. Um, it's, it's what we call our thankful Sunday. It's the Sunday right before we officially celebrate Thanksgiving, and uh, next Sunday, uh, I won't be preaching, Tracy won't be preaching, we'll have a microphone, we'll have the podium set down here, and you guys get to share, and I look forward to it every year. Um, so come prepared next Sunday to share something from your heart in thanks to God for what he's done this past year in your life and in your family. And uh, we'll all rejoice together. It's just, it's an encouraging time to hear what God's doing. And even sometimes through difficulties, people getting up and just saying, you know what? I'm giving praise to God because he's good. So next Sunday is going to be powerful. Well, I want to I share a, a message today I'm calling Subversive Gratitude. And you might go, wow, what a title, Pastor Jeff. I don't even know that I understand that title, subversive. Where would you get the word subversive? Why did you use the word subversive, especially with the word gratitude? Let me just tell you quickly what the word subversive means. It means seeking or intended to subvert an established system or institution. Synonyms are disruptive, troublemaking, inflammatory, insurrectionary. A subversive person is a troublemaker, a dissident, an agitator, a revolutionary, a renegade. And I just want to say that when we really do choose to line our lives up with Scripture and live according to God's Word, especially in this day that we're in right now, we're going to be subversive to the culture at large. We're going to be... Uh, very much counter that culture. Do you understand what I'm saying? Very counter culture to the culture we live in. In seminary, we learned a big Greek or a big uh, German word called Zeitgeist, and Zeitgeist basically means the spirit of the day. The spirit of the day is not gratitude by any means. The spirit of the day is um, all kinds of other things, but not. Gratitude. And I want to talk about subversive gratitude today because I really believe what the Bible calls us to in this area of gratitude is radical. It's radical. And I'll be honest, I don't know that a lot of us have really gotten our arms around it very well. But what I'm going to share today, I think, is going to challenge you to the core. It's challenging me to the core. And, um, but here's what I believe. I, we're living in a very unique time frame. I, I've never seen so many people going through so many things. 
How many of you understand what, I'm, what I mean? You probably understand it personally. Somebody even said this morning, just, just look, at our, look at our staff, Pastor Jeff, our, kind of our, our inner staff here at the church. I can just go through that list. I won't do it, but I can just go through that list and say, this one's going through this and this and this and this. <laughs> this one's going through this and this and this and this. And it's not just one or two things, it's, a, it's a, a lot of things that are deeply challenging. Here's one of the things that I sense as I pray and seek the Lord. God's getting rid of a lot of the fluff in the church. I don't know a better word to, to say, fluff. <laughs> just getting rid of a lot of the superficiality, getting rid of a lot of the plasticness, if you will, the artificial, the fluff. Uh, getting rid of that. In a sense, here's the way I would say it, and you, you, might, you might bristle at this a little bit, but I think God's toughening up his people because I, I don't necessarily think that the days ahead are gonna be easier. I think they may well be harder. And I think living biblically, living according to God's word is gonna become more costly and more difficult. And we're going to find ourselves oftentimes very much at odds with the world around us, with the zeitgeist, with the spirit of the age. So I'm talking this morning about giving thanks in every circumstance, in every season of life, because God is doing an eternal work in his people. Whether it's plenty or poverty, whether you're in pain or pleasure, Here's what I believe. God's called us to be a people of thanks. And I, I feel it's so important to settle this issue in our hearts, to really, if you will, draw a line in the sand and say, this is where I stand, and I'm not going to move by the grace of God. We've got to settle this issue in our hearts. Learn to give thanks in all things, because otherwise, here's what I believe is going to happen. You're going to be in a constant state of flux. You're going to be batted around like a pinball in a pinball machine. You're never going to be at peace. But here's the thing. This whole idea of giving thanks, quite honestly, it's very counterculture. It, 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 it's counterculture even to our own flesh, even to our own you know, who we are as natural people. It goes against our natural inclination, folks. Our natural inclination is to grumble and complain and to gripe and to talk about negative things and, and talk about how things didn't go the way we wanted them to and all this. But it will help us so if we can just draw that line in the sand and become people, truly, truly, truly become people of thanks to God. Now, I gotta tell you, okay, listen to me this morning. I, what the Bible says about giving thanks sounds outlandish, all right? It, 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 it really does. It's not outlandish. It just sounds outlandish, especially to our natural reason and logic. But what God's Word says is I really believe the pathway to grow from glory to glory to glory in the Lord. I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest with you guys, I, I, and I always try to be very transparent with you. 
If you knew the week I had, you'd be shocked that I'm even standing here today preaching God's word. But I am by his strength and his power, not by my own strength and my own power. I, I come today in weakness, and I'm trusting that he will supply the anointing and the power. But I'm giving thanks today because God is good. Some things happened this week. In fact, we were here Wednesday night. We had a, an awesome time of worship Wednesday night. It was really, really sweet. Right after that time... <laughs> We went home and some, I'll just say it, I want to keep some of this private for the dignity of the people involved, but let me just say some devastating things happened, some things that quite honestly I felt that were almost, um, wow, uh, initially my sense was just this is ultimate defeat. And um, God had to check my perspective and change my language and change my way of looking at it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says this, Rejoice always. We can spend a lot of time right there focusing on those two words. Pray without ceasing. We can talk a lot about that. But this morning we're going to hone in on these words in green. In everything give thanks. Would you say it with me? In everything give thanks. Let's do it again. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything give thanks. You realize what that means? That means in every circumstance. That means in every season. That means in every situation. And I know, I know what some of you are thinking and saying and feeling right now, internally, you're going, but you don't know what I'm going through, Pastor Jeff. No, I may not. I may not know the details, but and I, I do know it's hard. It just seems to be hard today. Living in this world right now seems like swimming through peanut butter. You know what I'm saying? It's just hard. But we're to give thanks, regardless of how difficult it is. Regardless of how many setbacks have occurred, regardless of how many defeats have come along the way, regardless of how many unfulfilled expectations we have, we're to give thanks. And why? Because the Bible clearly says, clearly says it's God's will. Do you know that this language isn't used much in God's word? It, it literally is, is, it's like a bonus, right? I mean, God's word is telling us this is God's will. There's no missing it here, folks. There's no missing it. This is the will of God for you. So many of us, so many times, you know, as a pastor over the years, one of the most common things I hear, I'm trying to find God's will for my life. Here it is. Voila. I've got one for you right here. Start there. Begin there. Practice this and watch God show you more of his will. This is a tough one. This is a difficult one. This one will test you. But it's important because it does a couple of things, right? Giving thanks in all things does a couple of things. One, it keeps us from getting arrogant when we're in a time of plenty, in a time of prosperity, in a time where life's pleasurable. We still go back and we give thanks to God because we realize he's the source of all those good things. 
Secondly, it keeps us from getting bitter in those times of pain and difficulty when nothing seems to be going our way, when everything seems to be falling apart, when it seems like we're surrounded by ultimate defeat. You know, I've seen this many times over the years. It's a choice that you and I have to make. If we don't choose to praise God in the tough times, then I tell you what will happen. We will cut and run ultimately. We'll eventually walk away from the Lord and from our faith altogether. Lots of people out there in that very condition who have gotten disillusioned and hurt and their faith wasn't deep and when the testing times came, they got bitter, they got offended, they got hurt at God himself even and they walked away from their faith. All right, so the Bible says give thanks in everything, in all things. You ready for this? It gets even more outlandish. I know some of you are going, are you calling the word of God outlandish, Pastor Jeff? I'm just saying to our natural selves it feels outlandish. You ready? Here it is. Here it is. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. The Apostle Paul says this, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, can you, the word's in green. Can you say them with me? For all things. Now, I want you to see this, right? So two verses. One says, give thanks in all things, one says give thanks for all things. That doesn't leave much behind, does it? That pretty well covers about everything, wouldn't you say? I mean, the really bad, the really hurtful, the really heinous things, the really despicable things, it pretty well covers everything. Pleasure, and pain. Man, it's easy to give thanks for all things when everything's pleasurable, when you're comfortable, when life's going well. But man, is it hard to give thanks for all things when you're in a place of pain. It's difficult. Here's what it requires. It requires a lifting of your head and a looking, if you will, unto an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective perspective and valuing the eternal work of God in your life. So many times we just want to isolate the bad, complain about the bad, gripe about the bad, grumble about the bad, about what didn't happen, about what should have happened, about what our expectations were, about how we were let down, how we were upset. But there's something that happens when we lift our eyes and start to look with an eternal perspective, not just a temporal perspective. We, there's, there's an expansion that begins to happen and we begin to realize and recognize and see in some way, maybe it's through a glass darkly, but we begin to realize that there's a greater good that God is working even in the difficulty. And this just positions us to be able to offer eternal 
thanksgiving. There's two key things, two key things here. You've got to have an eternal perspective. You do realize, right, church, this isn't all there is. You're not just living for these days on earth. You're living for something much greater, much longer, much deeper. It's called eternity in God's presence. You've got to have an eternal perspective. And we must value the eternal work that God is doing in the midst of your situation, in the midst of your life. You've got to look at it with a different perspective or you're not going to make it. You'll get washed up and washed out. Life is difficult. This world is hard. There's a verse in the Bible that says, and it's always it's always got my attention, right? If the days hadn't been shortened, even the elect would fall. That it's going to get so difficult toward the end days that you're going to see there's going to be a lot of people who abandon the faith is what Scripture says. And this is one of the spiritual keys. I really believe that you and I have an eternal perspective and we value that eternal work that God is doing in the midst of what might be the most most horrible and difficult situation. God's up to something, folks, even in the painful times. John Piper puts it this way, and I love this quote. And He says, God's always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. He goes on to accentuate the point. I want to read it to you. He says, not only may you see a tiny fraction of what God's doing in your life, but the part you do see may not make any sense to you. You might find yourself in a prison and God may be advancing the gospel among the guards and making the free brothers bold in Christ. Philippians chapter one. You might find yourself with a painful thorn and God may, may be making the power of Christ more beautiful in your weakness, 2 Corinthians 12. You might find yourself with a dead brother that Jesus could have healed and God may be preparing to show you his glory, John chapter 11. You might find yourself sold into slavery, accused falsely of sexual abuse and forgotten in a prison cell, and God might be preparing you to rule a nation, Genesis chapter 37. You may wonder why a loved one is left in unbelief so long and find that God's preparing a picture of his patience and a powerful missionary, Galatians chapter 1. You may live in all purity and humility and truth only to end rejected and killed and God may be making a parable of his son and an extension of his merciful sufferings in yours. Isaiah 53 and Mark chapter 8. You may walk through famine, be driven from your homeland, homeland lose your husband and sons and be left desolate with one foreign daughter-in-law and God may be making you an ancestor of a king. Ruth chapter one. You might find the best counselor you've ever known giving you foolish advice and God might be preparing the destruction of your enemy, 2 Samuel chapter 17. You may be a sexually pure single person and yet accused of immorality and God may be preparing you as a virgin blessing in ways no one can dream, Luke chapter one. You may not be able to sleep 
and you look in a random book and God may be preparing to shame your arrogant enemy and rescue a condemned people, Esther chapter 6. You may be shamed and hurt and God may be confirming your standing as his child in purifying you for the highest inheritance, Hebrews chapter 12. There are three granite foundation stones under this confidence for for you, God's love, God's sovereignty, and God's wisdom. In his love, in the death of Christ on your behalf, God's totally removed his wrath from you. Now there's not only no condemnation, but now God is only merciful, and even his discipline is all mercy. In his sovereignty, there's no power in the universe that can stop him from fulfilling his totally good plan for you. Job 42 Verse 2, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And then wisdom, God's infinite wisdom always sees a way to bring the greatest good out of the most painful and complex situations. Romans eleven thirty three. 33, oh, the depths and riches of his wisdom and knowledge, how unsearchable his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Therefore, no matter what you face this year, God will be doing 10,000 things in your life that you cannot see. So trust him, love him, and they will all be good for you. Can you say amen to that? An eternal perspective is key. If you only look at the present and you mainly value comfort and pleasure, which we Americans tend to do, I'm not sure you'll make it for the long haul. God's preparing us, folks. He is at work, and it may not be comfortable. But thank God we have a comforter in the midst of the trials and the challenges. Do we really value, here's the big question, right? Do we really value being changed into his likeness as he is working something eternal in us? If we don't care about this, then we'll cut and run. We'll find something easier. We'll lose heart and not finish well. Look at Romans chapter 8 with me. Paul says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Those are powerful words. And then skipping down to verse 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Do you know verse 29? For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God's had a plan from the beginning in your life, and that was to conform you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, that you would look more and more like Christ every single day of your life. And that's not an easy journey. Listen, Paul in his life, he never denies his sufferings. He just looks beyond it to the glorious work that God is doing in the midst of it, and it causes him to be filled with eternal thanksgiving. He sees, if you will, the bigger picture. Sometimes we're so myopic, we're only seeing just right in front of us, just the, the difficulties, just the pain, just the challenge, instead of looking for the bigger picture through God's eyes. Notice, you see Paul giving thanks in all things and for all things in Acts chapter 16. Do you remember the story? He's in prison in Philippi. 
And what does he just start doing? He starts singing hymns. He starts praying. He starts praising God. He's free from bitterness. He has an eternal perspective. He values future glory more than present challenge. And guess what happens? God works a miracle of deliverance for him. But he doesn't know that that's going to happen. We've read the story. We know how it ends, right? We know the rest of the story. But Paul didn't know the rest of the story when he began to sing praise in the midst of the difficulty. He didn't know God was going to open those prison cells when he began to just thank the Lord and give him praise in that dungeon of a place. He did it because it was right and because it was God's will. That's what we talked about, right? This is God's will for you, to give him thanks in all things and for all things. Some of you, you're, you're right there with me, right? You're suffering and you're going through a difficult season, but you know what? You're going to give thanks in all things and for all things so you don't miss the greater work that God is doing. In the prison of pain, lift up your hands just like Paul did and say, I thank you, Lord. And I love you, Lord. And I know you're working. I don't see it. I don't understand it. But thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me ask you a question here this morning, and I want you to ponder this with me. What miracles might we experience in our lives if we just learn to give eternal thanks in all things and for all things? Think about that with me. Ask the Lord, ask the Lord. Where am I missing it? I begin to thank the Lord this week for things that, man, I've never thanked him before. Before Some difficult and challenging things that in the past I've just spent my time rebuking. You know what I'm saying? And now I'm just thanking him because somehow he's working through those things. And I don't quite see it and I don't quite understand it, but I'm thanking him in the midst of it. Elizabeth Elliot is an amazing woman of God. Passed away, I think, in 2015. She's the wife of Jim Elliot. She went to Wheaton College, met Jim, and they both felt called to, to missions. She she actually was the daughter of a of a missionary, and I don't know if you've ever read anything Elizabeth Elliot. She's a deep, a deep woman of God, but she's also a woman who suffered greatly. They weren't married that long, and Jim was planning to take the gospel to the Orani Indians in Ecuador, and you know the story. He, they plan, they prepare, they pray, and they land on that beach, and it's just a very short while before they're speared to death. Two years later, Elizabeth Elliot moves and goes to that Indian tribe to share Christ with them. Sixteen years later, Elizabeth Elliot remarries. Remarried a theologian, a wonderful man of God. Uh, soon thereafter, he passed away from cancer. 
Here's what Elizabeth Elliot says. This is powerful stuff. And if you want to read the words of someone who walked through difficult days and kept the focus on the Lord and an eternal perspective, Elizabeth's a good one to do, to read. She says, one does not surrender a life in an instant. That which is lifelong can only be surrendered in a lifetime. Leave it all in the hands that were wounded for you. By the way, Jesus is the ultimate example of giving thanks in all things and for all things. He's the ultimate example. I don't know if you've ever connected the dots on this, but Luke chapter 22, verses 19 and 20. We love to read this, right? This is our, one of our favorite communion meditations. But I want you to think about this and kind of enter into the story a little bit with me. Luke 22, it says, and he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant, my blood which is shed for you. This is Jesus in his humanity taking the bread, taking the cup, knowing that very soon in just a few days, it would be his literal body and his literal blood. And what's he doing? He's giving thanks in all things and for all things. How? How did he do it? How did Jesus do it? He knew it was about to produce eternal salvation for you and I. He valued that so much that he was able in the temporary to offer eternal thanksgiving. He knew he was about to bleed like nobody else has ever bled. He knew he was going to be literally disfigured from the torture and punishment he was going to take upon himself. And yet in the midst of it, He's giving thanks. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He sees that joy of eternal salvation for all mankind and that allowed him to enter into, embrace the suffering of the cross in the moment. Listen, if we're ever going to learn to give eternal thanks, we're going to have to learn to value the eternal work of God in our lives and what it's producing. It's conforming us into the image of Jesus and it's preparing us, as Scripture says, for future glory. Being conformed into the image of Christ through pain, through pleasure, through prosperity, through poverty. All things working together for our good through the master weaver who weaves all these things together and makes a beautiful picture out of something we can't quite comprehend. By the way, good doesn't always mean happy. Good doesn't always mean temporary ease. Good sometimes can feel rather heartbreaking. Good sometimes is all about eternity. He's worthy of eternal thanksgiving in all that goes on and all that we walk through. You know that there's some things more important to God than your comfort? 
I mean, can, can you even say that in East Louisville? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you're, if you're allowed to say that. I mean, we're all about, right? The best restaurants, the best houses, the, you know, I mean, we, we really like our comfort, right? Spend a lot of time, energy, money on living comfortably, but he's working through the pain and through the suffering. He's working something so much greater. It's a greater glory. You can give eternal thanks. Due to God's eternal goodness towards you in all things and through all things. John Piper says this. He says, when things are going bad, that does not mean God has stopped doing good. It means he's shifting things around to get them in place for more good if you will just go on loving him. There's the key. You're going to keep loving him through it? You're going to keep clinging to him? Keep trusting him? Piper goes on to say, God seldom calls us for an easier life, but always calls us to know more of him and to drink more deeply of his sustaining grace. Let's end with this scripture, and it's a pretty good passage, so follow with me quickly. But I want you to get this as we close today. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him we also have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Some of you go, what is that all about, Pastor Jeff? Wow, that was a lot. I'm not sure I caught all that. Let me just tell you, just going to simplify it right here. This is what God has already done for you. Let me show it to you, maybe a little clearer. This is what he's done for you. 
You are in Christ, blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are in Christ, chosen by God himself. You are in Christ, made holy for his purposes. You are in Christ, considered blameless, no longer guilty for your sin or wrongdoing. You're considered blameless in his sight. You are in Christ loved, unconditionally loved. You are in Christ adopted into the family of God. You are in Christ favored. The Bible says surrounded with favor is with a shield. You are in Christ redeemed. You are in Christ forgiven. And there's going to be a heavenly gathering. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit and you're guaranteed inheritance. All of those things are what is true of you. And do you realize... Let me just make one more comment about that list. We could say a lot about it, but let me just say this. Do you realize that none of those glorious blessings have anything to do with our temporary earthly circumstances? Embrace them. Offer eternal thanksgiving for them. We can be Church, we can be eternally thankful in all things and for all things because nothing can undo or overcome God's eternal blessing in our lives. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment? Glenn, would you come on back up? I just want you to sing over us here in a moment. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you in this moment? With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, just tuning into God. What's the Lord saying to you? I feel like this was a word from the Lord for many of us here today. And I feel like for many of us, there's, there's just the need to go ahead and draw that line in the sand and say, okay, I'm going to do God's will in my life and in all things and for all things I'm going to give thanks because my Father in heaven has an eternal plan that's so much greater an eternal glory that he is working toward a conforming of my life into the image and likeness of Christ I don't understand it all. I don't know how he's going to work and do and what his ultimate plan and purpose is or his ultimate outcome is. I know his purpose, but not his ultimate outcome. But I'm going to praise him, I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to thank him. And for some of you this morning, it's just going to be freeing. It's going to be freeing because you've thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe the situation in my life is my fault. Maybe the situation in my life is, you know, I, I'm just getting 
bulldozed by the enemy. Maybe the situation in my life, you know, somehow I should have changed it. Somehow I should have done something different. And instead, you're just going to come to that place today where you go, okay, God, I don't know what else to do but to give you thanks. Because you're working. You have a bigger picture. And I'm going to trust you in that. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's just, let's just worship the Lord together for a moment, okay? Let's just worship the Lord together. Glenn, would you just lead us out in a chorus, and, and then I'll close us in prayer.